when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra Davidson. And I'm Anita Rao. Welcome back to She and Her. We're thrilled to be back with you after the holidays and very excited for what's to come for She and Her in the new year. So let's get right into it tonight. On tonight's episode, we take a look at the word slut. Slut is a word that transcends context. It may have been used to describe the first girl in your middle school, rumored or known, to be sexually active. She let Johnny finger her at the movies. Can you believe it? What a slut. Or you may hear it used in jest over drinks when a friend describes her latest sexual encounter. Jenny, you let him put what? Where? You're such a slut. The term may also be forced upon victims of sexual assault and rape in society's effort to blame the victim and account for an incomprehensible trauma. She was asking for it. Did you see how slutty she was dressed? No wonder that happened to her. In each and every context, slut is a word that cuts, isolates, and degrades. It's a word that minimizes women's agency, it's a word that shames, and it's a word with implications. In our episode this week, we're joined by three advocates who help us explore the power of the word slut. They'll share how it harms individual lives and reveals larger truths about the contradictory and damaging roles our society has for women and sex. We'll meet a woman who started a collaborative worldwide project to battle slut-shaming a health and sexuality advocate who coined the term girl boner, and a high school teacher working to educate teens about the implications of sexual bullying. So we start first with Emily Linden. She's the founder of the Unslut Project, which is a collaborative online effort to promote gender equality and sex positivity through creating awareness about slut shaming. The project defines slut shaming as a type of bullying that makes a woman feel guilty or inferior for her real or perceived sexual behavior. A number of years ago, Emily began noticing news story after news story about the tragic suicides of girls who had been sexually bullied. In 2011, there was 17-year-old Retea Parsons, who was gang-raped by four teenage boys and shamed by photographs from the incident that spread throughout her community. She later hung herself at her parents' home. In 2012, there was Audrey Pott, a 15-year-old in California, who committed suicide after she was sexually assaulted by boys who later distributed photos of her through text messages and social media. Every single one of these scenarios made Emily think back to her own experience as a teenager who was slut-shamed and bullied. 
so she decided to publicly share her diary entries from that time in hopes that it could provide perspective to girls who currently feel trapped and ashamed. The project has since expanded to include stories of people of all genders, ages, backgrounds, and nationalities that illustrate how widespread issues of sexual bullying are. We asked Emily to tell us more about her own experience as a young woman and how that got her started on this journey to end slut shaming. I was about 10 years old when I developed breasts and got my period, and I was also new. My family had moved um, the year I was in fifth grade, so I got a lot of attention uh, from boys and girls in my class right away just because of the way my body looked. And when I was 11, a boy I had had a crush on for a really long time asked me to be his girlfriend, and of course I said yes, and I wrote about that in my diary. I was overjoyed. And then he and his friend um, talked me into doing what we called going to third base. And, you know, to use the lingo we used at the time, he fingered me in his um, best friend's basement. It could have been sexual um, exploration that was healthy and normal. But what happened afterward was that he and his friend um, told all their friends and they really sexualized me in doing so, so that pretty soon my whole reputation had kind of fallen apart. I mean, I had been popular and rather confident and, you know, to the extent that you can be at the age 11. And all of a sudden I lost all my friends and it seemed like even people who had never been my friends or who I had never even heard of or, you know, peripherally known knew and felt compelled to remind me that I was just a slut. And um, they assumed that I would hook up with anyone who wanted to hook up with me and let them touch my body and kind of that I was willing to participate in sexual acts with people that I had never even heard of just because of this reputation I all of a sudden had. And it lasted for a few years. And um, I was bullied um, using instant messenger and also in person and, you know, at school and after school when I was walking home from the bus. And it kind of seemed, um, it seemed constant At the same time, though, I was a precocious girl and um, pretty clever and angry and motivated to kind of improve my own situation. So I put other girls down as well. I sexually bullied other girls in my life by labeling them sluts and um, kind of trying to divert the attention away from myself. And it's a really common way to cope for girls who feel like their reputation might be at stake, which is probably most girls since it's always at stake for all of us, um, you know, to turn around and bully someone else. You know, that makes me think when I look back to that time in my life, I remember, you know, middle school when people were starting to become sexually active and you would hear rumors through the grapevine about who had done what with who. The central agent in all of those stories was always the woman or the girl. In that case, it was never really about the guy. It was always about the girl and what she had let happen to her. Exactly. I wonder, we were talking in the car on the way here, too, about this term slut and how, you know, when I look back to my diary, I was home over Thanksgiving, was doing that in my diary from, I think, seventh and eighth grade. I had listed, you know, these are the two, like, these are two most popular girls, but, like, so-and-so is considered slutty like that was a very common a common term that we were all using and as you said you know one that you even chose to use after you had been shamed I mean what have you learned about the term slut through exploring it through this work it's such a common thing to be labeled a slut and to label someone a slut 
that we normalize it. You know, we don't often think about it critically, why we're doing this, what purpose it serves. And it is, I guess it's my belief over the past few years just hearing these stories that slut is so powerful because when you are a slut, when people perceive you that way, I'm putting um, quotes around the word slut here, when that's your reputation, you can't be anything else. You can't be a slut and a good mother or a slut and a successful neurosurgeon. You know, you, you can only be a slut if you're just a slut. And that allows us to ignore you or dismiss you. And it's dangerous because then if you are raped or um, if something terrible else, else happens to you, your word is um, not as strong as any other human who's not a slut. And it's easy for for the person who has hurt you to get off, you know, scot-free. And that's one of the, the consequences that's most dangerous of slut shaming is that we reduce women to this fake concept of the temptress, the, the dirty whore, really. And we do it to each other, I believe, because we know deep in our hearts from a really early age that that could be me. And I better make sure it's not me. I better make sure it's everyone else besides me. And it's not something I think any woman is proud of if she thinks of it that way. But I've seen it work that way in myself growing up um, into about my early 20s. I slut shamed other women without thinking twice about it. And I think that's what it was. I really do. I had seen the damage that it could do. And I wanted to avoid that label by any means. What is so compelling to me about the film and the work itself is that it does, you know, as a woman, it makes me look back on my life and think about how it relates to my own life and my own choices and my own action. And one thing that is so clear is that we're so socialized to think about things in these terms from such a very age. I mean, you were so young when that happened to you. And I wonder, you know, what is it about giving women a platform to share their personal stories and their personal experiences that makes this a unique way to confront this issue? It's an individual approach. It's, it's the idea that we can make large change by starting small. And a lot of women who have shared their stories through the Unslut Project do so anonymously because there's still such shame. Even, you know, if it's decades earlier, if they're now in their 50s and back when they were a teenager, some boy decided they were a slut. I think um, it's something about knowing she's opened up to me. She's let me in. She's shared this at worst traumatic, at best somewhat uncomfortable experience that she's gone through having to do with slut shaming. I can do the same. And at the very least, even if I don't have a personal story to share, I can make sure that as I go forward and, and live my life and interact with, with girls and women, I know this might be something they've gone through as well. Really, it's, it's about empathy for, for other women. What is the role of male advocates in this movement? How do we involve men in reworking and redoing this entire conversation about female sexual empowerment, female sexuality? It's so, so important to involve men. I think that's, it's one of the biggest misconceptions, at least from my personal experience and the type of um, negative reactions I sometimes get online. A lot of them are accusations that I hate men or that I think all men are rapists and these terrible monsters. And it's actually exactly the opposite. I mean, slut shaming hurts men as well. Any kind of feminism exists to improve 
the lives of men as well. I always make a point to call men on board. I love it when I see um, young men, you know, teenagers or, or older men who have kind of been used to this type of behavior, starting a conversation with other men about why. Why have you said that? Didn't you have sex with her too? So why is it bad for her and good for you? What, aren't you guys in this together? Why is what she did different than what you did? Or um, if there's a rape joke being made in a group of friends, not laughing and explaining why it's not a type of joke that should be made, doing this in a way that doesn't alienate people, but that calls them on board to the movement, I think is, is one of the most important roles for men. When men call on each other to think critically about female sexuality and, and what they say related to it and the way they treat women, it can be really powerful. In fact, I think it can be even more powerful than when it comes from a woman because men can relate to each other and have grown up to, to trust men more than they trust women. I mean, you can kind of use that sexism and that imbalance for good. You can use that to, to share a positive message and you know, take advantage of it. Emily Linden, the founder of The Unslut Project and the author of the new book, Unslut, A Diary and Memoir. She's also the director of the new documentary, Unslut, which is available for streaming and download on iTunes next week. You can find out more details at their website, unslutproject.com. We turn now to one of the many women inspired by Emily's work and The Unslut Project. Rhonda Hartman is a 34-year-old high school English teacher in Oklahoma who first connected with Emily in The Unslut Project through Twitter. The work resonated with her own personal experience of sexual bullying when she was a teenager, and she sent us a voice memo to share more about it. When I was in high school, I was, you know, stereotypical little blonde girl, and I was really shy. I had really bad anxiety, so I didn't talk to a lot of people, and because of that, I got kind of a reputation of like, oh, she's a snob because she's not talking to anyone, when really it's just that I was absolutely terrified to talk to anyone. Um, I had an older boyfriend that I met and people found out that I had this older boyfriend and they immediately assumed, you know, that I was, you know, a slut or I was promiscuous or I was doing something that they didn't approve of. And I got a lot of stuff from other girls where they would automatically accuse me of like, I'm going after their boyfriend or I I want to steal their boyfriends from them. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I actually probably just wanted some friends because I didn't have a whole lot of them. Um, It got to the point where I hated going to school. I was skipping school quite a bit. I would wear um, big baggy t-shirts and sweatpants to cover myself up. I didn't wear makeup. You know, I felt like I needed to hide from the world because somebody might shame me for how I looked or what they perceived of me based on what they thought from not even really knowing me. Um, Eventually, four girls actually beat me up to the point I had to leave school and be out for several days because I had a concussion and I had to be watched and uh, go to the hospital. So it was pretty bad. Uh, I eventually ended up going into an alternative program in my own high school and finishing out school that way. 
that experience probably did inspire me to be a little more promiscuous, like kind of the attitude, well, they're going to say it anyway, so I might as well do it. So, you know, for a little while there, I was having relationships that didn't mean anything that I wasn't probably comfortable with doing things that I may not normally do a little outside of myself. I was being ostracized by the other girls. So I was trying to find a place, feel like I belonged. And I was trying to find that in boys that really didn't care about me. And honestly, I didn't care about them either. At the time, I may have told you something differently, though. So that's a voice memo from Rhonda Hartman in Oklahoma. Um, And as we said earlier, Rhonda is a high school teacher, and she recently began to notice that many of her own students were bullying and slut-shaming one another. She overheard them having conversations about sex and gender issues, but noticed that many of them didn't seem to understand how their conversations might impact other people. So she decided to do something about it. Rhonda developed her own slut-shaming curriculum. So my curriculum that I developed, I use it with my freshmen, and it's an English one class. So they read the book 13 Reasons Why which is a great book by Jay Asher, and it's a, a, you know, a girl commits suicide, and she's left these tapes for her classmates, and we listen to the tapes on YouTube, and um, part of the reason that she commits suicide is because she has kissed a boy, and the rumor goes around that she is a slut in school. We get to talk about how that affected this girl, and even though she's a fictional character, I've had, you know, all these girls come to me and talk to me about this and what they're going through, And after we read the book, the students create their own anti-bullying campaign. And it doesn't have to be about slut shame. It can be about whatever kind of bullying. And this is after they've gone into the school and done some, we call it anthropological research, where they had a chart and they wrote down where they saw instances of name calling and what category those name callings fell into. Was it, you know, about someone's sexuality, their looks, their family? And so we kind of looked and we saw and we figured out ways that we could change this. And so they created um, a brochure with slogans and a logo, and they created like a mock shirt. Um, We did paper shirts, and we've hung those on a clothesline in the hallway. So their bullying campaigns hang up for the rest of the year. And it just really lets us have this open dialogue and talking about name-calling. It's been really great. Uh, The parents have loved it. The principals have loved it. I've gotten tremendous amount of response. Everybody's really glad that I'm doing it. Um, Next year, we're talking about making it cross-curricular. So we are trying to bring in, like, where the kids would make a website for their anti-bullying campaign or they would make some sort of presentation and actually possibly present these really great ones to the entire school. I know that some of my seniors have already checked out Emily Linden's website, and they've all signed pledges not to bully because these kids need to be reading real life stories. They need to know how their words can affect people. They need to know that um, you can't just say something and then everything is all fine because it does affect people. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's Rhonda Hartman high school English teacher in Oklahoma talking about her experience educating teens about the implications of sexual bullying. You can learn more about Rhonda and read her blog at rhondamhartman.blogspot.com. We end today's episode with a conversation with August McLaughlin. August is a sex positivity advocate who writes about health and sexuality from Los Angeles. She has a blog and a radio show called Girl Boner that explores sexual empowerment. She talks a lot about slut shaming and more generally shame around sex through her work. So all of this started when August realized that she knew very little about female sexuality. She knew many terms for talking about men and sex, like boner, but she never understood why there wasn't much discourse about women's sexuality. So she started the blog and radio show Girl Boner as part of a quest to change the conversation. More than a decade ago, August nearly died from an eating disorder and says that embracing her sexuality was a big part of her recovery. For her, the Body image, shame, and sexuality are intrinsically related. What do you see as the connection between the kind of work that you're doing and the unslut shaming work, or I guess more specifically, the connection between slut shaming and negative experiences of sexuality and body image? Slut shaming is such a huge epidemic, and I feel that every woman and girl in our culture experiences it on some level. I think we end up shaming ourselves. Um, there's a sort of, it's almost a form of slut shaming to feel that our own sexuality is dirty. Uh, so that's definitely a huge, huge part of it. Um, I don't think that you can have sexual empowerment when you're also carrying that kind of shame. So it comes up pretty much in every conversation that I have with with women when I'm talking to them about their sexual journeys. I've had. Uh, over a hundred episodes, and I believe two or three women said, I was raised to love my body and sexuality. We had open conversations. Nobody ever shamed me. I was never bullied. They're rare exceptions. So it's it's incredibly, I don't think you can separate the two. What kind of steps did you take to embrace your body, to embrace your sexuality? So I think that's something a lot of people can relate to, but actually hearing what that might look like for a woman who's just getting onto that journey. If you could share some of that. Yeah, the first step really was the awareness that it was missing. I was sitting in a college class in northern Minnesota in this little town and was going through treatment for this eating disorder that, you know, really takes over your entire life. It's a really brutal, brutal disease. And I just took this course thinking, you know, it sounded kind of interesting. It was a psychology course. And this professor stood up in front of the class and said, we are going to talk about sex. And it was so startling to me. You know, I'd already been around the world modeling and I was about 20 by the time I was in this course. And 
I had never talked about sex. I never talked about sexuality. I, I'd had sex. I'd had one serious boyfriend uh, for, for years and had been very sexual with him, except for when the anorexia was um, taking over. And that was the biggest thing was it, all the lights went on when I started to talk about what was happening in my body, you know, what my desires were, what I had learned and not learned about sexuality. And that alone was so empowering. I had both hope and a lot of frustration because I realized so many people lack this and all the detrimental effects. I honestly don't think I would have developed uh, the eating disorder and decades of poor body image if I had been empowered in my body, including my sexuality, because we tend to sort of like wipe out the genital area when we when we're growing up we just for me I was told never look down there never touch there uh so it it was a process I'm interested in you sort of helping us understand better the connection between um eating disorders and body image issues and concerns about sexuality I think you know something people may think if you have a partner and you are having sex and like you're being affirmed in what your body looks like why would you develop an eating disorder or how would your eating disorder develop can you maybe help work through that misconception? Eating disorders are so complex. Uh, so are so is poor body image as a whole. I think there's a huge, huge epidemic of feeling negatively about our bodies and our appearance, and they come from all different factors. I think that the lack of sexual embracement and sexual empowerment is a huge, huge, huge one that really doesn't get addressed much. Um, I think that when it comes to being in an intimate relationship with someone, it absolutely is wonderful to have somebody finding us attractive. But if we don't find ourselves attractive first, or at least not have that sort of fixation there, it completely holds us back. Um, I know that when I started to see beauty in my body, even when I didn't, you know, love the shape and size of it, you know, early in my, my recovery, it was so freeing to think about my body as something that could bring pleasure and that is so worthy of pleasure. So I really do think that the, the two are inseparable. A lot of times what we're doing is we're afraid to live large. It's not just being afraid of being, you know, overweight or curvy in the wrong places or not curvy enough. It really has to do with deeper underlying issues. And that's why people who've gone through abuse, who've been sexually traumatized, or who just learned that sex was a sin, for example, which is extremely common for girls especially, you know, that's why they develop these really negative attitudes about their bodies. But it is so manageable and, and change-worthy. Uh, I think that's something that gets missed a lot, you know, because there's still all these damaging myths out there that girls are not supposed to be sexual, and yet we have this over-sexualized, you know, depiction of what we should be, of not only bodies, but of sex, and the way that it's supposed to be. And there's, there's this idea that, you know, we have to be sexual in a certain kind of way. And that's a lot of pressure um, on, on everyone. In the Unslept Project, the victims or the survivors talk about how even though they've overcome these, these instances of sexual bullying, they still catch themselves thinking, oh, that girl's such a slut or whatever. And they're constantly having to reframe the way they think about that. And I really think that can be the case, too, when you're surrounded by other women, you've been socialized to constantly put your body in conversation with these other standards. Can you talk a little bit about what breaking out of that looks like? Such a great question. One of the most beautiful things about healing from poor body image and negative attitudes about how we appear is that we judge other people less. You know, what happens is 
when we're focused on our own uh, perceived, quote, flaws, that's all we see in other people. We're going to compare ourselves. We're going to walk into a room and think, you know, who's, quote, prettier, sexier, who's taller, who's slimmer, who has, who has better boobs than I have, whatever it is. It's so refreshing to not see that in people. And I think it really does take realizing that that is not about those people. It's all about you when you are a woman and you know how painful this is. It's so much it's so much sadder that you're not supporting one another. And I think the key is working on ourselves and making asserted efforts. Like if you think anything negative about someone, stop yourself. Like why, why are you even caring? Why are you judging that person um, on something that really doesn't matter? You know, it's, it's a real priority shift and, and it does take, I think, I think kind of doing an inventory of your thoughts can be really helpful. You can do that about yourself and you can do that about other people you know, just tracking for a day even, how many negative thoughts you have. There was a big study done in, I believe it was Glamour recently, and the number of negative thoughts women have about their own bodies per day, it's, it is striking. It's so, so sad. And I can only imagine that those, those same people, when they're feeling those things and thinking those things, will also think that about other people. So I think catching ourselves is a big key there. You know, and every effort counts and knowing that it's not a quick fix thing, you know, it takes time. Like for my eating disorder, I thought I would go to like a month of treatment and it took me 10 years to move past it. So knowing that it, it will keep getting better and just taking it, you know, a day at a time. That's August McLaughlin, a health and sexuality advocate and the woman behind the blog and podcast, Girl Boner. You can find out more about her work and her new book, Embraceable, at her website, augustmclaughlin.com. And if you're interested in that Glamour article she mentioned, we put it on our Facebook, She and Her, and it is pretty staggering. So, Sandra, I know this was an episode that stirred up a lot for both of us. Um, Tell me a bit about what you've been thinking about. You know, I am in the middle of John Krakauer's new book, Missoula, and I have thought so much about this double blind. So that's a a book about campus rape at the University of Montana, and he has done this extensive um, project interviewing survivors of sexual assault, and they're reflecting on their interactions with law enforcement, with people from the university, with their own peers, and one of the things that several of the survivors said when they first reported a sexual assault is that uh, there was a a person on the police force who always said, now, are you in a relationship? Mm -hmm. And one of the women pushed back on him and she said, no, I'm not, but why would that matter? And he said, you know, sometimes women, if they get a little too drunk and if they, um, they maybe make a mistake, cheat on their boyfriend, something like that, then, you know, they'll make up something like this to excuse that choice Mm. or excuse that behavior. And it just has made me thought about this double bind that we as women find ourselves in where, you know, we get all of this messaging about be sexy, be desirable, and in turn that allows people to objectify us. But then at the same time, 
you know, there's all of this shame, there's all of this guilt around sexual behavior or sexual sexual choices, hmm. and I don't know. It's just, it's it's staggering to think about that, and then think about how, what if we were sending girls different messages? What if we were asking them to think about other things? And I think you see more of that, like with Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, mm-hmm. but you know, that's so much terrible energy to to ask young women to invest to socialize young women to invest their minds and thinking about when it could be other things like what does your heart want or like what are you what is your what are your ambitions what do you want to do with your life and I think I also I never had made the connection so explicitly between slut shaming and the lack of sex positive talk and education we were just talking about how like how many hundreds of articles have we read or seen in Cosmo and all other women's magazines about ways to please your partner or things you should know about men and and how to have better sex but there's so rarely talk about how can you better understand your own sexuality how can you embrace your own sexuality and it, it feels to me that so much of our language around women and sex has to do with fear it's how do you protect yourself from other people how do you pre- protect yourself from sexual acts happening to you and that that takes up, you know, 90 plus percent of the discourse. There's, there's so little space for women to really feel any sense of agency over their own sexual being. And I know we got a chance to preview uh, the Unslut documentary, which we encourage all of you to check out. So good. It's really powerful. Um, and one of the people that they interview in it who has been working, I think, at at a rape crisis hotline mm-hmm. for a long time talks about a um, professional once a professional wrestler exactly too. once a professional wrestler talks about um how he feels like a really interesting metaphor uh to think about victim blaming and slut shaming is you think about when um someone is robbed at an atm and they go to an atm late at night and they're robbed do we ever ask them what were you doing at that atm no that would seem crazy but how often do yeah. we ask you know what was that woman wearing where was she walking yeah and that drew it uh, such a clear line to me between sort of the immediate response we have to uh, sexual acts committed against women and the role that we expect women to play in sort of protecting their own yeah. being. Yeah, absolutely. And we can't even get sex education in every school. So, right. You know. A long way to go. A long way to go. We are so grateful for our guests tonight. Um, Their earnesty and their work is so inspiring, and we feel such grief for the women who are suffering from slut-shaming, who have taken their lives from slut-shaming, and we really believe in the work that our guests are doing. So thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks so much. Um, We're going to close out the rest of our live show with curated music. For our podcast listeners, you can find that playlist on our Spotify account at She Plus Her. And She and Her is produced live every Thursday at 6 p.m. at the studios of WHUP in Hillsborough, North Carolina. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and find links to everything we do at our website, sheandherradio.com. If you happen to be listening to us on our podcast feed, please take a moment and rate us. It really helps new people find our work and it connects us with the broader community um, of podcasters out there. So thank you in advance for your support. She and Her is written and produced each week by Sandra Davidson and me, Anita Rao. Our theme music is produced by Cameron Laws and Sam Gerwick. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you all next week.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.